0: Hey, Leo. Steven. Oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't seen you in ages. It's
1: been... I can't even count the years. It's so exciting.
0: Yeah. After, it's to see you again. I know. After that huge break that we had between hey. season one and season two. Your hair's gotten longer. Thank you. Thank you. And you, you. And be you are, are looking very svelte. I know, right? It's, uh, it's the Pilates. That's I'm the right? <laughs> months and months of Pilates <laughs> right. that you've been doing. <laughs> well, it goes into what we were talking about before how we're going to do more to physically describe you. Exactly right, yes, Uh,
1: and I wanted to work on that so that you'd have more accurate descriptions available.
0: And one thing people don't know about you, you have eyeshadow just like Maxine's. It is true, yeah. (laughs) Always.
1: What they don't know also is it's a tattoo, it's never going away, uh, as long as I live. (laughs) Well,
0: you don't have to do it every day. That's right. So speaking of the movie X, question for you. Yes. What is the worst porn scenario you've ever seen in a porn?
1: One that I've seen or one that I can think of?
0: One that you know exists, so you can't make one up. Okay. I'll tell you one that I will admit that I've seen. I think that sometimes you watch something because you're like, oh, that looks hot. And there are sometimes you watch something because that looks hilarious. Yes. <laughs> As you know, I'm into politics. Uh-huh. And there was one that was called, I think it was called like Crossing the Divide or something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. It was like a great little double entendre. And it was three women that were playing Hillary Clinton, Condoleezza Rice, and Ann Coulter. I will say that they crossed the divide. I would imagine so. (laughs) I didn't know it was their pussies that were going to do it, but they found (laughs) some
1: things that they could agree on. I remember seeing, I wish I was making this up, it was like CSI. And somebody came in to console this person. And as she's crying and grieving, he basically turned to her and says, down to fuck.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and I'm like,
0: that's not how I would handle that situation. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show Rest of Development? Yes. So there's a joke in that where there is a woman who her job is to be the woman in bi porn and like bi guy porn oh sure and the joke is is that they basically like push past her to like to like just just be and and she's just like present uh-huh there's also some pretty terrible bi porn <laughs> that is like that too and you're like well if they're bi they're into the woman too You you like, think so yeah <laughs> but they practically like push her into a closet <laughs> the guys like i've never been with a dude before right yeah clearly <laughs> yeah. your excitement is showing how little you know this <laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
1: Uh, everybody grieves differently.
0: (laughs) It's the grieving process. That's what it is. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoils of Horror. My name is Steven. I am Leo. And this is the first episode of our new season, which I think we're still going to call episode 51. Yes. We are covering the movie X.
2: What an excellent day for an exorcism. Coming to get you, Barbara.
3: It rubs the lotion on its skin, or
2: else it gets the hose again.
1: Come and play with us, Danny.
2: Well, kill
0: yes, we do. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Huh?
3: To die, to be really dead—that must be glorious.
1: It has taken a long time, and us needing to cover it for this show for me to watch
0: this movie.
1: <laughs> and I'm glad I did, but the question remains, why did you pick this film?
0: Two reasons. Number one, because there was no chance on this earth that this movie was not going to be fucking ruined for you <laughs> if I didn't make you watch it. <laughs> I'm so. True. F- Fucking done. I'm done. The whole start of this podcast was just so I could make Leo watch movies that I want him to watch so I can talk to him about them. And he fucking dragged his feet on this movie. I'm like, dude, it's fucking great. You got to see it. We got to talk about it. Blah, 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 blah. Finally, I just didn't fucking make him do it. I just make him do it. But the second reason is this so anytime a movie comes out, and it gets a really big response. There's always a second wave of people like, well, it's not that good, or I don't really like it, or I think it's overhyped. So here I am to tell you, I don't fucking care if anybody thinks it's (laughs) overhyped. I think that this is one of the best horror movies that have come out. In definitely the year, maybe the last five or ten years, this is definitely going to be a favorite movie for me. This was the slasher that I've been missing for so long. It hits two nerves for me. It's artsy-fartsy, and it's also a slasher. Yeah, kind of bread and butter. Bre- and it also has, like, themes that really interest me. Mm-hmm. Like, fame is really interesting to me, like oh. sexuality, like getting older. These are all themes that I find really interesting in, in other movies, too. I also am grateful for it, because, again, it's like... The Slasher's back. We have Terrifier 2 coming up. We have all Uh these other Slashers now, and it's like, finally!
1: Yeah, it's the renaissance for the genre, as it were, which is very exciting.
0: It is very exciting. you ready to do it? I am so ready. We open on a quiet farm. Flies are buzzing and birds chirp. A sheriff drives up, parks, and walks into the main house, passing a dead body in the yard. There's blood on the porch, and the sound of a televangelical preacher can be heard from the living room TV. More dead bodies are seen inside. Walking into the basement and shining a flashlight towards the camera, the sheriff sees something horrific, gasps, and the movie fades to black. Maxine sits in the back of a strip joint looking in the dressing room mirror, snorting coke. Wayne, her boyfriend and manager, knocks on the door, telling her to go easy on the drugs. He gives her a kiss and tells her she's special. After he leaves, Maxine looks into the mirror and says, You're a fucking sex symbol. Wayne... Maxine and fellow stripper Bobby Lynn walk out of the back of a topless bar and jump in a van appropriately named Plowing Services. It's 1979, and Wayne's driving Maxine, Bobby Lynn, porn star Jackson Hole, great name, cameraman RJ, and his girlfriend Lorraine off to a countryside farm to film a porn called The Farmer's Daughters.
1: I've been witness to many great horror films over the years. Some iconic classics, some kind of dullards. It occurs to me it was a really bad idea to be in Texas in the 70s.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not the place you want to (laughs) be. A lot of
1: horrible things happened.
0: But we're jumping right into one of the big influences on this movie. I don't even have to tell you for you to see that this movie just seeps in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah, it's all over the place. It's in the like the grainy look to some of the film, mm-hmm. it's in the sun-soaked atmosphere, and I think in all the right ways.
1: It's one of the most obvious parts of this film of where the influence came from, but they didn't do it in a hitch over the head fashion. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it in a let's completely copy everything chainsaw did they just emulated the style enough to make you go i see what you're doing
0: yeah there's no part where like maxine is fucking jackson and she's like swinging the chainsaw over her head (laughs) exactly (laughs) that doesn't happen yeah i love the opening shot of this movie because the aspect ratio of the film looks a little different and it's what they're doing is they're actually framing the left and the right side of the frame with the barn doors Mm -hmm. like you're looking out through the barn but it looks like an old film frame.
1: It's like 4 by 3 the way they used to do for televisions back in the day.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. One thing that you'll see in this movie this is weirdly like a love letter to film Mm -hmm. that is so like present in the movie which again is like one of those themes that I really enjoy about it but I love this aspect ratio that you're looking at the start of the movie With these like dead bodies in the yard and this farm where something has happened and you don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what it is.
1: Yeah, it's like a disturbing episode of Columbo where you see the crime and then you got to figure out how we got there.
0: I would love this episode of Columbo.
1: We're just going to get Peter Falk in it. We'll be okay. (laughs)
0: Right. The one thing that will have made this movie better. Peter Falk. Walking around. Like, while they're filming the porn and stuff. (laughs)
1: One more thing. Uh.
0: (laughs) You know what I realized, though? Uh. I really fucked up this episode already. Oh, yeah? Every single time we do an episode that I'm going to gush about, or Uh you're going to gush about... I always say, get your strap on and like lean back, because we're gonna make love to this movie. How the fuck of all movies did I forget to do that for this one? That is true. That was a good line. What you just did. You all right. So everybody, everybody, pull out your bazooms now.
3: <laughs> your bazooms.
0: <laughs> it's like one of those three day three D glasses. Like, put your three D glasses on. All right. <laughs> so everybody, pull out your bazooms now big,
1: <laughs> bouncing bahungalos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Time to get out your gazungas. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. That's funny.
0: <laughs> I, I find this opening really gripping.
1: I think it's interesting. It's not a sequence that we haven't seen before. In yes. films where they start with the crime. Even Hellbenders did it. Here's the thing that happened, and now we got to get there. But these guys, for some reason, managed to do it in a way that seemed, I don't want to say unique, but new. You think you're looking at a
0: bloodbath. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and the the clever detail that they've put sheets over everybody. Uh-huh. So you don't actually know. Who did what or who's where or who's, what characters who, under yeah. the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't do that thing where you see like Maxine being interviewed by one of the sheriffs. And she's like, this is my story. Because then you know she survived.
1: Yeah. Or RJ is stabbed up to the wall or some shit like that. Exactly. Or, you, know, you don't get that which other films have done. And maybe that's what makes it look new. Yeah. In the way
0: that they handled it that there's some secret to it. For me, I get so sucked in quickly. The uh, The other obvious movie that is an influence on this is Boogie Nights. Two movies that I love, Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> and Boogie Nights. <laughs> the, I'm so in for this. Double feature, great yes, movies. I, I love both of those movies. When you get to the strip joint, you have a really nice scene with Wayne and Maxine mm-hmm. where you get to know these characters very quickly. You understand their dynamic with one another. And I quickly got very connected to Maxine like instantly because the way that she starts getting ready to do this porno by sniff, sniffing Coke and by saying like, you're fucking sex symbol. is exactly the same way I get ready for this podcast. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Every,
1: bam, instant connections. We are the same.
0: We are the same. Yeah: Leo's walked in on. that's very embarrassing. <laughs> You're fucking sexy. like the mirror. He's, yeah.
1: I do love this as a good example. I've talked before about building character and how some movies go too far or too little in one direction or another. It doesn't take a lot for us to zero in on a character and really get to know them. This is a really simple moment with her. We know a lot about her by her sniffing coke. We know a lot about her because she's working in the porn industry or the strip club or what yep. have you. We know a lot about her because of what she's telling herself in the mirror to psych herself up. And then the relationship he has with her boyfriend. Four things that happened in about a minute, two minutes of film that told you everything you need to know about this girl.
0: With him too, with Wayne, because he very quickly navigates, hey, I'm a little concerned about you. This Go easy coke. on the coke. Yeah but also you're my girlfriend and I care about you and I'm letting you make your own decisions, which I think the way that he operates throughout the rest of this movie in this sort of like gray zone of where he's concerned about her and what he thinks about her, I think is very Mm -hmm. clearly shown to us in that moment.
1: It's a prime example of how, in my opinion, it should be done when you're doing character development. You don't have to give us 20 minutes of backstory and you don't have to
0: pretend like they're nobody just give us a quick thing tell us everything you need to know about it move on the other thing the movie sets up really well is that it's not going to take itself too fucking seriously this is a serious movie dead serious Mm -hmm. it treats these people that are in the porn industry like they're people like they're real characters not jokes and it also takes the horror seriously when we get there but it's not unwilling to have a sense of humor about itself like the fantastically titled
1: van. <laughs> I'm glad we both had the same note about this. They get they all pile into this van to go off and film their porno and the van says plowing service on the side of it. Mwah! And it could, been, it could have been it could have been a nondescript white van. It could have been a plumbing thing. Yeah. It, but no, plowing service. Exactly right. Exactly what it needed to be.
0: And and don't you think that this movie does, like, thread the needle so well in, uh, in having a sense of humor about itself? For sure. Because to your
1: point, they don't do it absurdly. They can laugh at themselves. They can do a little tongue-in-cheek, but still keep the seriousness and the horror of the film alive.
0: I love—that whole van scene's fantastic. The camera work in that van scene— So it's very difficult when you're in a enclosed space to do a lot of clever camera work. The movie finds a lot of variety. It shoots from the passenger seat. It shoots from the driver's seat. There's parts where Wayne is talking to RJ and it shoots him through the rearview mirror. It's just really dynamic.
1: I think that's the right word for it. And A lot of the films that we've covered, we talked about the camera work, some great, some not. This one, again, feels new because they're taking very unique shots. They're taking very creative decisions and they're making it work for this film.
0: And I, again, I'm just fucking like gushing all over the place here. Perfect for this episode. <laughs> That's true. You can
1: <laughs> squirt and gush and unload as much as you like.
0: Can we get a rim shot right there? <laughs> 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 what a treat. To be watching the opening scenes of a horror movie, which usually this is just the shit you have to like float through.
1: Yeah, usually fast forward to the first 30 minutes. Oh,
0: God. Sometimes when I watch like a Friday the 13th movie, and I love my Friday the 13th movies, when these characters are like arriving at the cabin and they're all talking to each other and they're like, You slept with my boyfriend, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I'm like, This all is just like noise. Verbal, like,
1: verbal diarrhea. Yeah.
0: Let's just get to where we're going. This movie. Is able to do what I thought may have been impossible. Have all that set up be as engaging as the rest of the movie.
1: And to its own credit, it's natural conversation. It's not tacked on. It doesn't feel like a forced script. It feels like people
0: talking. Everybody's interesting. Mm-hmm. Everybody's funny. Or if they're not funny, they're interesting. Like, or, you know, like everybody's some combination. Bobby Lynn is so funny. She's mm. got so many good lines.
1: She's the Marilyn Monroe Madonna type. The stereotyped what you'd expect to see from a porn star.
0: And then you have the dynamic of RJ who other than his later jealousy aside cuz I'm I'm not a guy who gets really jealous. Yeah. Oh god, he reminds me so much of myself at a certain time in my yeah. life because I was always the person that like hung out with people like these guys. Oh, sure, yeah. But I was never a part of them. I get I, that. And yeah. I'm still like that. The people that are in the van, like Maxine and and Wayne and Jackson and whatnot, I actually love those kinds of people in real life. Uh, like not just porn stars, although I've I've known some people in porn and whatnot. Yeah. But like those types of people, I've known them and I've loved them. But I'm never a part of them. I'm just, I just hang out with them until they start fucking and then i leave <laughs> that's fair i had a similar
1: thing back in you know, my youth i was hanging out with the stoners but i never drank or smoked back right. then. and it was a great crowd to be with I, I was i carried that forward to when i was running burlesque shows and other such i never went out and performed i never stripped on stage but i was in the scene and
0: i was just there and it was fun when i was in the fire spinner world uh-huh. i can't tell you and i'm not making a joke when i say this how many like orgies would like break out at a party <laughs> or at night and i'm like there reading a book like, <laughs> just, i'm just like comically there i'm like providing some sort of like funny commentary i
1: like that you're narrating you're reading the hobbit while everyone's fucking around and someone <laughs> says could you bring me a glass of water yep on it
0: <laughs> there you go stay hydrated everybody stay hydrated hot towel Hot towel. <laughs> Every time I've gone back and watched this movie, I just enjoy these opening scenes so much. I, I I just think they're so like rich and interesting, and the dialogue isn't just bullshit that's like meant to pass time in the movie. It is starting to dig into the themes that this movie is going to be about.
1: And it also digs into the characters, what we are talking about yeah. before with character development in short and interesting ways. There's a whole conversation about what they're going to do when they get to be famous or how they want to be when they you know, advance on in their careers. We have our Marilyn Monroe type saying, I just want a big pool where I can float around and tan my titties with my knees in the breeze, a, which is, by the such way... Such a great line. My tagline on my business card from now on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like... I Support love this podcast so much. so much. So,
0: so Leo can tan his titties.
1: <laughs> but then you get over to Maxine, who has the conversation about, I need to be famous, yeah. period. I need to be famous, which is an exceptionally dangerous way of thinking because it leads down to a very slippery slope of how you get there. And it tells you a lot you need to know about these characters with just natural dialogue of somebody bringing up the question, what do you want to do when you grow up, dot com.
0: Well, I also think that RJ is connected to all this too, Mm. because he's talking about making a great film. And this is where he starts really digging into this idea that he has that you can make a great dirty movie. I think this is so fucking meta. I love the fact that we're watching an art house slasher movie Uh with a character that is trying to make an art house dirty movie. He's almost like Ty West, the director. It's Uh almost like Ty West sort of like speaking through him being like, you can make a great movie about porn and slashers. And I'm going to kind of say that through this character.
1: I like that notion very much that he has a voice in the film. Mm-hmm. That he's able, again, not to beat you over the head with it, yeah. but just present, this is my vision. This is my idea. This is why I'm here. Yeah. Through the character. It's and, very cool.
0: And, and maybe it's, and I don't know where, how you feel about this, maybe partially what I like about it is, RJ is a little pretentious. He's a young director. Yes, he's he a is. young guy. He's a little pretentious. But I actually totally agree with him.
1: I'm going to draw a parallel here that's going to be very strange, but I'm running with it. It is possible to take something like porn, for example, and make something good out of it. I think people don't understand that it's a medium just like anything else. It's a film like anything else. Sure. For example, if you could create a horror movie that was 100% a horror movie, a Halloween film, for example, have it play out exactly the way Halloween film would... But whenever these kids get together and have their simulated sex on camera, it's real hardcore porn sex. Yep. You would then have a great horror porn, because you're not making a porno. You're making a horror movie that happens to have sex in it. My strange parallel is clown porn. (laughs) (laughs) Bear with me. I'm waiting. (laughs) The problem with clown porn, other than that it exists... This should be its own separate essay. (laughs) is that there's too much clown in it. It's all pies and faces and balloon animals and silly string and weird shit like that versus I'm just making a movie that happens to have a clown in it and it still has porn and da-da-da. Having now confessed that I've seen clown porn, I will move forward to say it's possible that you can create a good version of such things that have actual merit to them and people don't seem to be able to latch onto that.
0: Well, let's end the show on that note, everyone. Part two coming soon.
1: <laughs> Thank you for 51 episodes. We'll
0: <laughs> Jacqueline from A Cut Above, if you would like to co host with me, we you're can invited. Cover uh, Killer Clowns, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. In a movie with some real gore and some real in your face sex, this movie has one of the, this part of the movie has absolutely one of the most disgusting things you'll see in the movie. They walk around this store. Great scene mm-hmm. in with Wayne and uh Maxine in the store in the gas station walking around picking up mm-hmm. some groceries and and just talking about her like desire for fame yeah. and his desire to like make this dirty movie that's going to make a million dollars. He wants it to be the next Debbie Does Alice. She just does something that disgusts me. Grabs wonder bread and <laughs> puts it in her basket. <laughs> Fucking wonder bread. <laughs> Fucking gross. Literally Whoa.
1: if somebody took the paste you use in kindergarten squished it into a bread shape and ate it. That's what that stuff is.
0: If you have a zombie apocalypse and people crash through the 7-Eleven and they take all the food, they leave the Wonder Bread. It's better to starve. I agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd rather lick the grout. Oh,
0: Jesus Christ. oh <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> That would be the the sex scene I couldn't watch. Every, everybody Bread. in this everybody in this movie is so fucking gorgeous. Everybody in this movie is so gorgeous. If Mia Goth was like fucking Jackson's character, and then she pulled out like a piece of Wonder Bread, I'm out. Centrally eating a Wonder Bread sandwich. Nope. Done. <laughs> right, right. He like ties her little hands behind her back with the the plastic with the red, blue, and yellow like. <laughs>
1: There's a whole scene in this sequence as they're driving along where Larry the Cable Guy is scooping a dead cow off the road yes. and it wasn't as disgusting as her buying Wonder Bread.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're having a good time with the show. Hope you're having a good time listening. Now we're going to let you listen to somebody
3: else say some ads and stuff. In a world that has been completely divided for so long, two movie fans have decided to unite... For the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, they will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram. Well, hello, I'm Dom. And I'm the host of Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre. Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre is a delectable delight of true crime and the macabre, sprinkled with just the right amount of that dry British humour. Horror House can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts and is on Instagram at Twitter at HorrorHouse underscore pod and on Facebook at Horror House pod. Episodes are released weekly on a Friday or as weekly as studying full-time and working part-time allows. So why don't you make a brew and come join me as I weave tales of horror and discomfort. Until next time, stay spooky. Don't forget you can search for Spoils of Horror
1: on all social media sites. Give us a positive review on Apple and Spotify. Email us at spoilsofhorror@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now we're going to get back into the show.
0: Arriving at the farm, Wayne speaks with Howard, the owner of the boarding house they've rented on the farm. He's geriatric and seems confused. Holding Wayne at gunpoint with a shotgun, it takes him a minute to sort out why the crew has arrived. Shortly after, they gather their equipment, walk to the boarding house, and Maxine sees someone watching from an upstairs window. After revealing Howard doesn't know they're filming a porn, everyone gets to work, We cut to Bobby Lynn and Jackson fucking in a bedroom while RJ films, giving direction from behind the camera. Lorraine holds a boom mic and watches with curiosity. After the scenes filmed, Wayne and RJ talk about the quality of the film and making pornography into art. Throughout these early sequences, scenes from The Farmer's Daughters are intercut, simultaneously paying homage to porn while having a sense of humor about the stiff acting and setups before the sex. Waiting to film her scenes... Maxine skinny-dips in a river while an old woman watches from behind the trees. While swimming, she's almost attacked by an alligator skulking nearby. After drying off and getting dressed, Maxine walks from the river, sees the old woman standing near the main house, and follows her inside. They have a brief, awkward conversation about her marriage to Howard, youth, and her time as a dancer. Pearl tells Maxine she's special, and not everything in life turns out the way you expect. When the sound of Howard's truck is heard rolling up the driveway, Pearl tells Maxine to keep their meeting a secret. Maxine sneaks out back and runs to the bunkhouse to start filming her next scene. Inside the house, Pearl sits at her vanity. She brushes her hair and puts on eyeshadow matching Maxine's before slipping out of the house and watching through the barn window as they film the farmer's daughter. Maxine plays a milkmaid boning Jackson until her dad wakes up to give him a lift to the mechanic. In a surreal moment, Pearl imagines herself in Maxine's role getting fucked and playing to the camera. Later that night, she flirts with Howard, turned on by what she watched out in the barn. He rejects her advances due to a heart condition, and she walks away feeling ugly and unloved. You know, if I can just jump in here for a moment, I want to just point something out really quick. One of the reasons that I struggled so hard writing this script is because there's really nothing I want to leave out. Mm. Everything just feels so important to me.
3: Sure. Sure.
1: I was going to open with a joke like I usually do, but now I don't feel like I should because that was a very poignant statement to make. (laughs) Go ahead. I was just going to reflect on Howard and him looking like a very aged and decrepit (laughs) Reggie Bannister. It's not nearly as entertaining or informative as what you had to say, so...
0: No, this is a perfect segue (laughs) because it does get into one of the few things that I do not like about this movie. Yes. The two older characters, Pearl and Howard, are played... By two younger actors. Howard is played by, I think, an actor in his 60s. -hmm. And as you probably know, Pearl is played by Mia Goff, who's doing a dual role. Mm -hmm. I think they go a little overboard with their elderly makeup. I understand that these characters are supposed to be in their 80s, 90s. I understand what the movie's going for, and I'm fully in support of the story that they're telling. But these two look like old bridge trolls. It's (laughs) outrageous.
1: I have seen old people who don't age well. I've never seen anyone with this much bad aging.
0: And that's the thing is I get the idea is that they didn't age well. That is part of the story. Sure. But j- Jesus Christ, they look <laughs> like the zombies from burial ground.
1: <laughs> it looks like if you unzipped your skin and stepped out of it and then put that skin on someone else... That's what they look like.
0: I think that they went a little overboard <laughs> on like, no, these people are dying. Right, yeah. They're almost dead.
1: They're so ugly. Literally crawled
0: out of a grave, too. Let's hours have ago. her eyeball hang out. Right, How exactly. about that? <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> Let's have her tits hanging on from under her dress. <laughs>
1: are those her boobs or her knees? You don't know. I will say it was nice to see Mrs. Bates star in a movie again. Uh, she's still doing You can't have a scary movie without some creepy old woman staring out of a window at you. It so. does
0: look very psycho. It does look very psycho. You know, it's pretty easy to crack some jokes about people that live in Texas and are willing to pull a gun out just because somebody showed up on their door. I got to tell you a story, though. That's 100% true, because that happened to me once. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I used to work for a paper route, but it was not like on a bicycle paper route. You had to drive a car to do it, because my paper route was in a rural part of New Hampshire. We had to drive everywhere. My dad drove with me. We would have to deliver these papers at 5 in the morning. I got to this person's house, and they didn't have a mailbox, so I had to walk all the way up to their door, and I put the newspaper down, and the guy opened up the door with a shotgun over his shoulder and said never leave that newspaper here again. Oh my God. And I said, the customer is always right. (laughs) (laughs) right. That
1: is the appropriate response.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take this one with me. Good day, sir. (laughs) I really like... How the camera stays away from Howard, though. He spent
1: a lot of time in the shadows in the beginning of this film, and I thought that was a very smart choice.
0: It obviously doesn't deliver in the sense that he's not some hideous monster. He's not the bridge troll that they (laughs) (laughs) made him up to be. But he is going to be a big threat in the movie. And so the camera sort of capturing that. And almost him and Pearl to be these kind of old school slasher villains.
1: Just very recluse, very hiding in the shadows, very, you know, up in the attic, don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, they don't really do close-ups of them Mm -hmm. until they start digging into them as characters. Right. But this is going to get into one of the things that I'm just like blown away by, the editing in this movie. Mm -hmm. There is an editing trick that this movie does. I've never seen it before. Maybe it's in a million movies and I've just never seen it. Did you notice that they continually do these triple cuts? Mm Mm-hmm. There's a part where Maxine goes skinny dipping. It cuts back and forth between her and something else that it's happening. And so as opposed to what it normally would do is it would cut away from the scene and then it would cut to her in the water swimming, but it cuts back and forth multiple times. And I love it. It, I I love it. I feel like it's a way of indicating that time is passing a little differently than we understand Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So that these things maybe aren't directly happening at the same time, but they're more Reflective of each other, yeah,
1: a little more connected than we think, just maybe not instantly,
0: and, and more yeah. like thematically connected.
1: Right, right. You know, that's, so that's a big thing I took from this film. There's a lot of thematical connections. Throughout. Right. Yeah. So
0: you have the porn being filmed, mm-hmm. and then it does this triple cut between that and Maxine swimming in the lake, mm-hmm. and what's happening to her is the alligator is coming. And since that threat, the threat of this movie comes from what the porn brings out yep. in Pearl and Howard. Mm-hmm. Well, these things are thematically connected. Correct.
1: The overhead shot of her in the water and the alligator swimming after her was fucking brilliant.
0: Yeah. She's swimming, and we see the alligator coming behind her. And then what happens is as she's swimming, it's just like Enya music. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. oh, <laughs> you know, just like that. Um, <laughs> exactly that, exactly. Enya. It's like Enya's in the room right I now. Sound like, I sound like Tarzan. <laughs> George of the Jungle. (laughs) And then what it does is as she gets to the dock, it cuts to the, the view of the alligator. And the alligator is like coming slowly towards her. And I love the way that the music fades from... Like the Enya music, Mm -hmm. the like slow, like, you know, sort of like whaley music. Right. And it slowly transitions into the bum chicka wow, wow, like like 70s, like porno Uh music. And she just shoots up and jumps back onto the dock. Yeah. She doesn't know she's getting away from the alligator, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a nice metaphor of her being unaware of what's all happening yeah, right she's, now
1: and i love that you touched on that because yeah. that was one of the things i took from the scene is her overall throughout the film being unaware of the danger that's right behind her
0: it's a beautiful like funny little joke that they, they say like action or something like that and then her sort of like ass is exposed uh-huh. and she sort of jumps on the dock yeah. and then it cuts to them shooting the porn yep i i just love that i think that's such a nice little touch
1: there's a lot of nice little touches in this movie but mostly in the porn
0: yeah, oh yeah, there's Just a lot of nice touches other, in the porn. Speaking of That's which... That's a joke. <laughs> yes, you, good job. Good job, Leo,
1: good job. After I watched this movie, I finally went and looked some of the reviews and what people had to say about it, and everyone's screaming about this scene, which they should. It's a brilliant scene. Yeah. I will say Maxine is a lot braver than I would ever be, not because she was swimming away from the alligator, but I don't think I'd even put... My shoe in
0: that water, let alone any of my naked body, <laughs> and
1: uh, I, she dove right the fuck in. So
0: yeah, and and again, there's <laughs> and it almost like it's almost like boring to talk about how Mia how good Mia Goth is in this mm. movie because. Everybody talks about how good Mia Goth is in this movie. Rightfully so, and rightfully yeah. so. Mm-hmm. And there is a really like a casual way that she gets undressed and jumps in the water. She's mm-hmm. still smoking her cigarette. Oh yeah, she's that very I, nonchalant. That it. I really enjoy. Like yeah. like she's she's capturing th- this character and what this character cares about, and doesn't care about so well. But when she dives in, I did think about that. Jesus fucking Christ, like, we're on for, there'd be a, there'd be a fucking dead tree under there. (laughs) There'd be the antlers of an old deer. (laughs) I mean,
1: it's true. Not to mention the bugs and leeches and mosquitoes and everything else that I I just, no, I'm not diving into a swamp. That's just not going to happen.
0: I'm a little braver about swimming than you are. (laughs) But when I looked at that, like, when she ducks her toe in and there's a, there's a, there's a cover of like pollen. Oh yeah. I was like, Leo's going to throw up.
1: (laughs) I was like, nope. I'm out. That's my Wonder Bread moment. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, let it be known we have now covered the two most
0: disgusting scenes in this movie, Wonder Bread and diving into a lake that you haven't checked first.
1: I think it's very cool, to your point, the intercut moments. There's also this great technique they're using where they're showing you the movie they're filming, the porn, The Farmer's Daughters. Yeah. And the scenes that are happening in the porn are also happening yes, in real yes, life outside. Yes. And I adore that. I thought yes. that was tremendous.
0: Yeah, so there's a great part where Jackson and Bobby Lynn are having glasses of lemonade. Mm-hmm. And first of all, just these film shots, or these these porno shots are so wonderful. Because they are just funny enough without looking down on the people who made them.
1: Well, and it's a nod to 70s porn without completely yeah. shitting
0: on it. The acting is just a little bad. Right. It's just a little stiff, but the but it, actors are trying and, and they it actually, also was
1: back then. If you ever look at old porn, that's what it was. And
0: and I maybe I I think I sometimes get defensive of people that are outsiders. Yeah. I think that Anytime a movie comes out about people in the sex industry or people that like having a lot of sex, there's always this desperation to explain them away. Like, right. oh, they were abused or whatnot. This movie doesn't do any of that. And I'm nope. so happy for that. I'm also, yeah. But it finds this great balance of these characters... Actually, love what they're doing, but we can laugh a little bit about how ridiculous this scenario is, and the fact that the acting is not great. Yeah,
1: and I think that's the fun part of it. They're not picking on the characters or the actors as much as humanity as a whole. We are right. ridiculous creatures, and we do stupid, silly things we every fucking day. Don't
0: care how they got there. <laughs> exactly. And it's not
1: about this person is an asshole. It's about this scene is silly. Yeah, and we're gonna have a little fun with
0: it. But, but look at the way yeah. that what's happening with Bobby Lynn and Jackson and how they're getting set up to Mm -hmm. fuck in the farmer's daughter's bedroom. Oh, the way that contrasts with Pearl and Maxine. Exactly. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie and I, this is one of the few episodes that I would say, like, maybe stop and watch the movie and then come back. I don't usually say that for our yeah. show, but I th- this might be a good one. What's happening with Pearl is that she's seeing everything in Maxine that she wanted.
1: She's seeing her past and what she wanted her future to be and where she could have been and all the what-ifs. It's all coming through this right. kid.
0: And we'll get into some of the themes about, like, the sexuality and stuff for me a, a little later, but, like, Pearl is reflecting on, like what she wanted her her entertainment life to be as a dancer yeah. mm-hmm. what she wanted her sexual life to be mm-hmm. and they're getting to have what she didn't get to have right the fact that you're you're so dead on that these mm-hmm. two like scenes are happening at the same time i just well, and it's adore. A- amazing especially the lemonade scene
1: where in the porn jackson's at the table and she's pouring him lemonade it's very sensual it's very suggestive yeah but then you go to the house with pearl And Maxine, and it's frightening and a little weird and and unconsensual, awkward and unconsensual, and. It's one of those things like I'm gonna be here to be polite, mm-hmm. but I wanna get the fuck out of here as quick as I can.
0: I love the details mm-hmm. of how they drink the lemonade differently. The Jackson and and, and Bobby Lynn are mm-hmm. sipping the lemonade because it's like sexual and right. it's, they wanna like keep this whole thing going. Mm-hmm. And what does Maxine do? Just downs it like a shot. Shugs Boom. it to yep. be like, Oh, <laughs> oh, mail came yep. in. Oh great <laughs> lemonade,
1: gotta go. Oh, I have a hair and, appointment. Exactly. I'm so sorry. This old woman Pearl at the front porch waving her finger to beckon me up into the the house i don't think i'd follow i've yeah. seen enough horror movies in my day i'm like you know what no thanks
0: you're gonna float away <laughs> like in the dark and the wicked you're
1: gonna have a red balloon behind you or some <laughs> shit I'm, no I'm, I'm good i promise you
0: talk about another one of those camera and editing moments that i really love i love uh jump cuts And I love the way that when Maxine looks at Pearl, the shot jumps in on Pearl three times, boom, 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 into a close-up, or not a close-up, it's more like a full shot of her body, but still, it's much closer than it was. Right. And I I love that. I just Mm -hmm. think it looks so great. Great camera work. Absolutely. There's a lot of nice subtlety with character, too. It gets into something that I've, I've watched a lot of videos about X, and I've seen a lot of reviews, and I... I've just never seen this one thing mentioned, and to me, it's like so obvious it's not even politically incorrect to mention it. Mm. Talk about how Bobby Lynn is the quintessential like porn star. Well, so is Jackson. Oh, for sure. And I've not heard anybody point this out, and it's connected to why Howard reacts to him the way that he does. But he's the black porn star with a big dick right am i the first person that's like <laughs> said that out loud like that's clearly like,
1: he's a absolute stereotype of a 70s porn star right 100 and
0: that's nothing against kid Cudi, who, who kid cuddy oh. who's phenomenal in the role oh
1: yeah great job great and doctor. like
0: the reason i'm pointing this out is because when har howard shows them all the bunkhouse and they're all talking and and howard is starting to figure out what they're actually doing there. Right. He is clearly racist. Uh-huh. He doesn't want anything to do with Jackson. He does not want to hear from him at all. See him, hear him, acknowledge him. Yeah. And Jackson tries to connect with him by saying, I was in the service. Mm-hmm. I think the subtlety of these characters is so great. Like like they are able to say so much in this little scene without saying anything. Mm-hmm. But I just had to laugh about the fact that he's black, which clearly bothers Howard. And I, I think I read it the fact that he has a giant dick is going to matter later for how Howard reacts to him. I have a theory as to why Howard shoots him, and we can yep, get into yep. that. I've been kind of shocked that like no one would say that that's the role that, that he's playing. I guess
1: not. I, I hadn't seen that reviews or what have you, so that's interesting.
0: But there's so much like subtlety of character. Hmm. I told you before we started recording that the one thing that was a little weird about both of us watching this movie is I've seen Pearl and you haven't. Correct. I'm going to try very hard to never bring up that movie, even though I loved Pearl, and I think it complements this movie really well. It does change how I read the scene where Howard stares at Maxine. Yes, and even not having seen the movie, knowing that Mia Goth
1: is Pearl. Yes. And having him basically look at the younger version of his wife.
0: That's exactly how I read that now. He's checking her out. Of course. But it's also partially because... Oh my god, I recognize you. Right, and so Wayne says... His dick hasn't probably been hard in like 20 years. That's all true. That's all relevant. Because partially this whole story is about what this sexually brings out in these characters. Right. But also it's that she looks like his wife.
1: Yeah. Like basic
0: reincarnation of who she was as a younger person. Exactly. A lot of people have talked about the phenomenal performance by Mia Goth. Mm. But I think we should talk about the thing that she does that I never in my life thought anyone would do. I mean, I'm so blown away by this. It's crazy. Mia Goth made overall sexy. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that much side boob in a movie in a long time. <laughs> and talk about somebody who doesn't care. She just walks into Pearl's house. Oh, yeah. And, like,
1: she's only got this one strip of denim over her and the,
0: the wrong gust of wind, and she's <laughs> Janet Jackson.
1: <laughs> There's a reference. <laughs>
0: And I'm like, you know what? Never, as many times on this podcast as I've made fun of overalls, Uh I got to give it to her. You finally found one that worked. She wins my award for you get to wear overalls. It's okay.
1: I love what they do with the porn and how they handle it, as we've talked about. It's very honorarium, if you will, of 70s porn. Not really making fun of it so much as just accepting this is how it was in the day. We're holding true to that tradition. Jackson has this really great line where the camera's on him and RJ's like, okay, now flip her over and now do this and now do that. And he says, stay in your lane, let me do the screw in. Yes, wonderful and line, very funny. Really wonderful straight lines in this movie that are just fucking hilarious. I reflect upon the one simulated sex scene I did in a film. People have asked me, how was it? It must have been great. You were this hot chick and everything else. It must have been so exciting. I'm like, no. No, it wasn't. Can you imagine trying to do porn? And I understand these people who are in the business and been there a long time, they get through it and they've got their own systems and all that, but you've got... Hot lights over you, you got fifty crew members behind you, you got a camera up your ass, you got somebody shouting orders to you about what to do
0: next. There's like catering nearby It smells smells exactly like a (laughs) truck goes by (laughs) it's it's I
1: had a guy we were doing the scene and the the bed was a little away from the wall and one of the pillows fell off as we were doing our thing and they were gonna take the scene again because they always do two, three shots just to make sure. And, and yours,
0: it was simulated. It was not like... Of course. I know some people have done... Okay. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no. This is... We yeah. weren't
1: penetration. It was all yeah. fake. <laughs> as we're starting take two, and we're just getting into it, one of the fucking crew hands comes by and puts the pillow back up on the bed. And we all look at him like, we're in the middle of filming this. What are you doing? He's like, continuity. The pillow fell off. <laughs> we're
0: like dude nobody fucking cares i hope it ended up in the shot i hope that it was like cousin it not cousin it was like thing from the adams family Come and
1: put the pillow away it was just hilarious we're like it's awkward anyway we're already there going oh we barely know each other we have to do this and then this fucking guy ruins
0: the scene we have to do it again question for you about the story of the farmer's daughters yes do you think the farmer sits at home wondering why his daughters are so horny? I don't know that they are because they seem to be getting enough. I think his daughters. I think he has some <laughs> concern. He's like, "Why are my daughters so horny?" Like <laughs> everybody that shows up, that just the mailman shows up and they're fucking like.
1: I think it's all the poppies on the farm. Well, they've <laughs> grown something. I don't know what it is. I didn't.
0: I was like, Dude, "Is he? Is there something in the milk?" They need to check that place. <laughs> And also because they they shoot two scenes with you know the two girls that are there but then they add on a third scene when they have a new character that they're going to add into the porn so now he's got three horny daughters That's right Like how many horny daughters does he have like does if the cable guy shows up <laughs> to,
3: how,
0: how long is Jack Poor Jackson Hole like <laughs> He's never gonna get off this farm.
1: Every time he turns a corner, there's another daughter. He's like, oh God, here we go again. I'm like,
0: please, I just wanna go home.
1: I just need a cab. He just Someone.
0: walks out into the field. There's another hot lady there.
1: One on a tractor. Excuse me, can I I'm
0: I need a lift back to the Oh, sorry. Daddy's in there asleep. <laughs> I guess we're just gonna have to kill some daughter. No. I just want to like, I like that
1: he goes upstairs like fuck and I'm just gonna wake up the old man and there's just another daughter there. Go, no, he already left.
0: They <laughs> said they said in their dialogue, and you know a porn dialogue, you gotta pay attention to that. Of course. They said that daddy doesn't like when they leave the farm. That's right. So I think that this is a cautionary tale of what happens if you shelter your children too much.
1: I agree with that. Absolutely. They got nothing to do it. This is a farm where, yeah, you've got some chores and everything else, but literally there's no one to talk to, no socialization, nothing to do. They either have each other or the plumber.
0: This is... This is...
1: <laughs> Coming by to lay the pipe.
0: There you go. <laughs> you and I have talked many times on this podcast about the 25 to 30 year olds that we know that cannot function in society, That's who right. have never been yeah. outside their home this is what happens to them they're at home plumber shows up uh-huh. and they're like oh i i'm sorry like my parents aren't home right now <laughs> they usually help fasten my helmet on when i go out to check the mail
1: <laughs>
0: do you need to come in
1: it's raining i can't step outside without my Duck floaty around my waist. But then they're like nymphos That's and then, right. because
0: they're like, oh, sure, you can come in. Do you want to uh-huh. lay some pipe while you're here? Boom, wow, wow. You know what the end of the farmer's daughter is going to have? You know what the surprise ending is? Huh. One son.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why why do my sisters all get to fuck Jackson Hole? I could give you a ride back. I love
1: that notion that he shows up in his truck and he's like, oh, finally, I'll take you down to the mechanic. But first,
3: all my sisters get all the attention, but I can
0: do some fucking. In the bunkhouse. Everyone relaxes after a long day of filmmaking. Lorraine asks Swain what it's like watching his girlfriend have sex with Jackson. And this leads to a group conversation about sex, love, home video, morals, and the boundaries created by religion and society. Things get quiet, and Jackson plays guitar while Bobby sings Fleetwood Mac's Landslide. Everyone lays back, looking at loved ones as she sings. The screen splits, and Pearl sits at her vanity, wiping makeup from her eyes feeling rejected for a life unlived and the loss of sex and touch. As the song ends, Lorraine declares she wants to do a scene in the movie. RJ gets jealous. Wayne takes him outside and advises him to let Lorraine do what she likes. RJ reluctantly agrees, and they quickly set her up with a scene with Jackson. RJ is behind the camera, watching and taping as the scene unfolds. After filming, everyone sleeps while RJ takes a shower. He's crying unable to process his girlfriend having sex with another man. He gets dressed, grabs the van keys, and decides to leave. But Pearl's standing in the road. He asks if she's okay. Pearl pulls him close, as if they're dancing, and kisses him. When RJ rejects her, Pearl stabs him in the neck with a knife. He falls to the ground where she pulls the knife from his neck and stabs him repeatedly. Blood sprays over the van's headlights, casting a red glow. Everything grows quiet, and we hear in Pearl's mind piano music as she begins to dance, remembering moments from her past we're unaware of. The music fades, and we're back in the present. Pearl reaches into the van, shuts it off, and grabs the keys.
1: I like that your narration focuses a little bit on the music that's going on in the scene, because it struck me that for all the movies I've watched in my life, this is the best use of Don't Fear the Reaper I have ever heard. In a film ever,
0: so many songs are used, <laughs> are used really well. What about Loretta Lynn's? They're going to put me in the movies. Absolutely, I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I, I, and I can't remember the exact name of that song. Right, but, but yeah, like, perfect, perfect, perfect. This is after Maxine has just finished shooting her porno scene, mm-hmm. and, and she's, she's walking she's through high on the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this movie uses so many songs mm-hmm. so incredibly well. I'd also like to thank them for picking music that's actually from the era. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's not like
1: a modern 2020 pop song. It's something from that time.
0: Exactly. They use Don't Feel the Reaper really well. They're gonna use the uh, I've Got a Bad Case for Loving You at the end of the movie, which is like really like a great credit roll song. Perfect cap, absolutely. What you brought up is so perfect because Mm. it's so weird to say this in a horror movie. The scene where these characters just sit here and talk Mm. and then they sing Landslide is my favorite scene in this movie. I could literally watch this go on for another hour. I am so interested in the conversation that these characters are having. Lorraine starts questioning her own ethics, her own morals. She's been very dismissive of the idea that these people are dating and that they could be having sex with other people on
1: screen. They call Lorraine Church Mouse for a reason. She's very shy and reserved. She doesn't talk very much. And she seems like the most innocent person in the room, the one who would just read her Bible and go to bed, And doesn't really want to be here.
0: But then she's getting curious. Hmm. I don't even know that it's turned on. It's more curious. Yep. She wants to
1: know more. She wants to inquire, why do you do these things? What about love? What
0: about this? And she's asking good and interesting questions. Mm -hmm. I've been in that conversation, not in this context, but I've been in that conversation where you have a group of people that live differently than somebody else that's in the group. But there is something... About this scene, despite the fact that it has this great characters and these great conversations, that I find like really magical, and I think it gets to one of the hidden reasons that I asked if we could do this movie. Not hidden to you, I I told you this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that's personal for me in this movie too, and it really comes up in the landslide moment when she starts to sing. I'm just reminded of times where I've been sitting like in a cabin, mm-hmm. and somebody's pulled out a guitar and started singing. And when somebody's really good at it, and when it's the right moment, it can feel like timeless, Yeah, which is, I think, something that's captured in the scene. And Landslide is the perfect song for it, because what is this song about? Aging, getting older, mm-hmm. time passing. And it's so beautifully like contrasted with Pearl looking in the vanity and looking so sad. Yeah, because they do a nice split screen. I don't, you know me, yeah. I fucking love split, split mm-hmm. screens. It's so sad watching her feeling so much regret. For everything that she's lost or left behind, she hasn't started killing people yet. You don't feel it so bad when she starts killing people, right? <laughs> but
1: she hasn't done that yet. In this moment, in right, like watching her lie back in bed, stare at the ceiling, things all like that. alone, mm-hmm. all alone. Yeah, you know, what her I mean? husband's not next to her, and there,
0: there's something about that idea of like being older and yeah. laying there alone yeah. that's so heartbreaking. And we've all not maybe we haven't been older, but we've all laid alone one night, oh, yeah. wondering if we were going to be alone forever. I think that it's really heartbreaking, but. It also really gets me personally. I not to like always harp on this, but I I, you know, Bobby Lynn looks a lot like my ex in some ways, especially at a time I didn't date a porn star. But I was with someone that had some real struggles around the conversations that they're having about love and sex Mm -hmm. and things like that, and could sometimes be very similar to Bobby Lynn and Maxine. And also like my ex used to sing landslide a lot. Oh, no kidding yeah and she used to sing it really well yeah my 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 ex was a beautiful singer and uh I cry i have not not cried yeah, yeah. once watching this movie at yeah. that part, and I know that that's not necessarily like what's intended with that scene, but the themes of this movie were so like present in my relationship, mm-hmm. and I just always remember like watching this part and being with someone who wanted to be loved so much because it filled like a void mm-hmm. that I I couldn't fill for them.
1: It's yeah. hard, to with somebody with that mindset, fill that. Like, yeah. for any one person, that's a
0: hard ask. Right. When we get into this later stuff, even the scenes between, you know, like, Howard and Pearl, because I, I do think I thought that I was going to be in this relationship forever. Mm. But when Pearl is, like, asking Howard, like, am I beautiful – tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me I'm yours. Mm. I mean, like maybe I shouldn't be talking about this on mic, but it's like, I, I, I've been, I've sat in that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? When somebody, you know, like the person that I love that I think is beautiful, that I think is gorgeous has, she's looked at me and been like, tell me I'm beautiful. Like I, I feel so ugly. Like, Mm. tell me I'm beautiful. No, it's just brought back a lot of memories. A lot of, a lot of things that were, you know, terrible as the things that she did to me were like, it brings up a lot of memories of like, what was hard on her? What was hard on me? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just a lot for me in this scene. Thank God people started getting killed.
1: <laughs> it's always fascinating to me how different films can connect with people in different ways. I'm sure if I were to really sit and think about it, there's films that I have connected to in that i know other people i've heard other stories of other people you know it's i like that you have that with this that sounded (laughs) like i was saying i like that you were miserable and that this movie fucked with you (laughs) that's not what i meant but it's cool that you can connect to it like that
0: yeah i do you know have like one criticism though if lorraine is going to have a uh, career in porn can i recommend ditching the underwear that says what day of the week it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we
1: got our name stitched on the back. It says
0: Sunday on the back. <laughs>
1: does it really? It I didn't does. Even see that. And I was That's like, funny.
0: Nobody wants a porn star who has to be reminded that <laughs> they're wearing new underwear.
1: This was the uh, youngest and most naive of the farmer's daughters. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> this was the dumb farmer's
1: daughter. Mama almost named me Sunday. That's why it's on my <laughs> I got kicked by a mule. I don't know what day it is unless it's written down.
0: My brother's got the same thing. He'll give you a ride in town if you know what I mean. I feel like
1: a lot of this RJ and Pearl situation and RJ getting killed was instituted by the difference between somebody reacting and responding to a situation. RJ reacts to his situation by getting jealous and having a tantrum and driving off in the car, which understood, Mm -hmm. got it. Pearl reacts to being rejected by stabbing the bitch. Right. <laughs> if they both had just sat down and talked about their feelings and had a moment.
0: This, this could have turned out very differently. Sat on the
1: porch. Had a lemonade. A little Metamucil between the two of them.
0: You are correct. There is a, there's a whole theme of here about rejection. Yeah. You know, we had a scene earlier where Pearl went and tried to have sex with Howard he said he couldn't. Rejected, yep. And and she felt like so devastated by the rejection. Yep. And then what happens here is that she really aggressively hits on RJ. He's not just rejecting, he's like repulsed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's 70 years older than him. Unless he's a Harold and Maude fanatic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Harold and Maude is my favorite movie. Wink, wink. You know what you that means. You what I'm saying, Grandma? <laughs> hey, hey. Modern 1979 era. I'm single now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I think this death is great. And I remember in the theater when they made the twist and I was like, okay, like I I see what we're doing here and I'm Uh digging this. I'm in. It's definitely a a launching pad for the next half of the film. Yeah. Which moves fucking lightning quick. Yeah. When it comes to kills, I'm all about the scene. I want the whole scene to come together. The whole scene coming together is what makes a great kill for me. This is a great fucking kill. Oh yeah. This is great. She practically saws his fucking head off.
1: I've read reviews, people talking about the gore in this film. I don't know that I would label it a gore fest as yeah, other people would. I don't either. think it's that's the sensitive people that can't see a paper cut without freaking out. But there's a lot of really awesome moments in this movie.
0: Us coming off the heels of Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> does not mean that we look at this and we're like, oh, it's so gory. Like Wayne stepped on a nail. <laughs>
1: That's his own dumb fucking fault for walking through a barn barefoot. Yeah. I don't have any sympathy for that.
0: We'll come to that in a moment. But, I mean, she practically saws his head off, and the, yeah. the practical effects are awesome. And I love, love, love that they use practical effects. It yeah. made
1: this work.
0: I was thinking they could have a big raging fire like they did in Hellbenders. <laughs> they could CGI that in.
1: 16 different burning <laughs> pyres around the farm. Yeah,
0: You already hinted this. Great use of Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. But I also love, like blood spraying on the on the headlights and then it gave a red glow to everything in the
1: scene right which was beautiful
0: And then she dances now I don't interpret that she actually danced in that moment uh-huh. I interpret that that's how she saw herself yeah she da- she danced in her head in my mind
1: We talked about this off air where it had a whatever happened to baby Jane vibe yeah yep that in this scene was her visualizing how she would be in this moment not that that's the literal what happened.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I really like, I like that dance sequence. Like I, I think it tells us a lot. I think it tells us that she's always going back in her mind to this moment when she was a dancer, when she was a performer. Because the way I interpret Pearl is that Pearl has always had this balance between the desire for love and fame and being willing to kill to get it. Sure. I'm leaving out my interpretation of why for the other film. But those two things have always been there. Because people don't get to 90 and then just kill out of jealousy. Those two things were already there. Right. I think that she is struggling with dementia to some degree. Yeah. And I think that it is blurring her ability to control.
1: Well, for somebody who, not having seen Pearl, but as I interpret it, is stuck in the past. Yes. And can't get out of her own mind, ergo out of her own way,
0: regarding what could have been, etc., cetera, et cetera. Right. Then definitely, yeah. But it's a fantastic scene. This is just like, just fucking lights the movie on fire, just fucking pours gas, and we're like, we're ready to go. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. going to kill everybody now. Like I said, rocket launch into part two. Yep. <sighs> Lorraine wakes up to find RJ missing. She searches the cabin and finds an empty suitcase. Worried he's upset, she asks Wayne to help. He searches the barn while Lorraine walks to the main house. She tells Howard R.J.'s missing, and he agrees to help as well. In the barn, Wayne steps on a nail. While caring for his foot, he sees someone move outside. Thinking it's R.J., he leans down and looks through a pair of holes in the wall. A pitchfork stabs him in the eyes, killing Wayne. At the bunkhouse, Jackson wakes up, walks into the living room and sees Howard outside with a flashlight. He's searching for his wife, Pearl. Jackson agrees to get dressed and help. Searching the swamp, he finds a car in the water. But shortly after, Howard tells Jackson he can no longer give his wife what she wants, while the porn star gets to do as he pleases. After accusing Jackson of walking around with no clothes on, enticing his wife, Howard shoots Jackson with a shotgun. Inside the main house, Howard asks Lorraine to get a flashlight from the basement. He locks her inside. She turns on an overhead light, looking in the corner, and screams A dead man is hanging naked in the corner. Using an axe to chop a hole through the upstairs door, she reaches for the lock, but Howard smashes her hand with the butt of the rifle. He turns on the TV to drown out her screams. Maxine wakes up in the bunkhouse to find Pearl sleeping naked beside her. She screams. Bobby Lynn runs in to check on Maxine before leaving to search for the others. She walks to the river and finds Pearl standing naked by the lake. Bobby's kind and tries to help, but Pearl calls her a whore and pushes her into the water. Bobby Lynn is eaten by an alligator and killed. One of our
1: recent episodes, I was talking about the predictability of film and how it can be very annoying. For example, I knew when I saw the alligator that somebody would die by alligator. Right. right? That was predictable, like that's gonna happen. Okay, fine, and then it happened. I'm like, oh, there it is, cool. I had a feeling that the old man was going to inevitably shoot somebody with that fucking shotgun. Right, Did not expect it when it happened or how it happened, and that was cool. And that's how the unpredictability plays in, even when it's a predictable moment. When you can take something that people are telegraphing and then turn it around, and it becomes exciting again. That
0: makes me happy. So knowing that this is going to be like a high-end slasher, Mm. when Wayne walks into the barn you know what's going to happen. They do a little fun bit where they build danger with the the nail. Right. Which kind of throws you off because you get the payoff, you get the release yes. of him stepping on the nail. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh no, he's going to step on the nail. He yeah. steps on the nail. We get the payoff. Yeah. And then the secondary element comes in, which is he gets the pitchfork in the eyes. Right. Now this is all happening while he's he has some good dialogue. He's... Uh, Practicing for his uh, his Haynes commercial. That's right. uh
1: uh-huh. It's <laughs> Fruit of the Looms. Yeah.
0: I wasn't... I was expecting him to die. I wasn't expecting how he died. And that's my point. Yeah. Obviously, they're
1: focused right on the board with the nail in it. You know he's heading towards it. He's going to hit his foot on it. We are, There are things that they do in this movie that are blatantly obvious, like that. Mm-hmm. Some other ones that, I guess for someone like me, I don't know other people, can predict, like the alligator. I know that was going to happen eventually. But this movie... Can have those moments, can give you that sort of predictability, and still turn it around to something exciting and scary and unexpected.
0: And that's how you do it correctly. That's well, how you make it good. I think part of it, it's well-directed, well-written, but also the characters are rich. I like Wayne. Yeah. I, I think Wayne is like, a, like an unsung great character in this movie. Sure. Fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. His his. Arc is understandable, like what he wants is understandable. He's kind of funny, he's kind of likable, he's also kind of not likable. And he's not the typical sleazy douchebag that you would expect from a porn director
1: or whatever whatever. He's just a guy.
0: He's yeah, he's, you know? he's yeah, and he he has that producer quality of he feels yeah. a little bit like he's all about the money, but he's also open about it. He's also honest about yeah. it. Yeah. Again, I, one thing I love about the characters in this movie, they are unashamed of who they are. There's a line that he loves early in the movie when they're in the gas station where Bobby Lynn, she starts sort of like giving him shit about how this production is going and the money they lost and whatnot. And he says, I will not accept negativity. Uh-huh, i like, uh-huh. there is something so great about a guy producing a porn that is like lecturing his actor about like being not being negative. When you are getting rammed by the guy whose car broke down while blowing the electrician who also happened to show up. Yeah, it's weird. They're all there. Yeah, every, yeah there's a lot of work that needs to be done on this farm. A lot of bad roads out there where people just keep blowing tires. Do
1: you think people understand that the farmer's daughters are just hornballs and so they keep making excuses to come out? Oh, your foundation has a crack in it, sir. It's I need to send the repair man.
0: Never has a place <laughs> had so many utility people show up. <laughs>
1: The Verizon guy comes out. I know you don't want cable. Comcast I is
0: on top of that <laughs> shit. They answer, they answer those customer service calls within minutes. Domino's has never arrived so fast. <laughs> Ten minutes or less. Yeah, right. For the pizza. Yeah, <laughs> right. Five minutes or less for the rest. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God for those farmer's daughters. That's right. As much as I love every scene in this movie, I want to just take a moment for the scene with Jackson Uh and Howard. Yes. Because I think there are some very blink-and-you'll-miss-it things that are really important in this. Jackson comes wandering around. He answers the door, sees Howard outside. Howard is looking for his wife. Yeah. I don't think Howard's lying.
1: And he's not incorrect either that she sometimes gets a little confused and a little lost and all these things that he says about her. And we... As the audience are meant to take that as, oh, well, she's old and maybe, like you said, a little dementia, what have you, not knowing the full backstory yet, not knowing there's a reason why he's looking for her and he's concerned about her.
0: Yeah, he's concerned that she's killing people, but not because he's concerned about them. He's concerned he'll have to cover it up. Right. Because he's willing to kill to cover it up, too. For sure. But, like, how much work do I have to do tonight? I want to go to bed. Exactly. It's two in the morning. You're and, fucking keeping me awake. And she's 90. Like, <laughs> right. there's a point, there's a chance they could kill her. Of course. I think it matters that Jackson shows up at the door naked. First of all, it's funny. That you see his silhouette right. and he, you can see his dick swinging between his legs. Uh, you know, so it's it's, a, it's just a funny joke. You know, he's answered the door naked. I when you're a porn star, you probably don't even think about those things. Sure. I've liked Jackson and Bobby Lynn throughout the movie, but I like the fact that we get to see kindness. From oh, yeah. them.
1: Well, and again, that not typical stereotype of porn stars where
0: yeah. they're just sleazy and coke ridden and da-da-da. They're people. He's genuinely trying to help Howard, even though he knows that he's racist. Jackson's not dumb. Howard's
1: weird and Howard's racist, and this old guy needs to just fuck off. But I'm not gonna let some old lady die in a swamp. I'm gonna go help him.
0: And also, you know, it was the 70s, and there was more work that had to be done to say, like, hey, I'm not a threat to you. That's true. You know, yeah. like, I'm not a threat to you. I'm going to try to do something kind for you. So that maybe you, know, you won't
1: turn the shotgun towards me. Yeah and, yeah, and
0: you're older. We're all here filming a porn. You know, I don't want you to, to be know. Said
1: for the mindset of that time
0: era, too, about respect your elders was a little thicker back then. It's- I've met homophobes that I feel sorry for. Oh, for that sure. That I'm like, yeah. I'd rather try to get you on my side. Than than to sit and fight. Than to fight with you or to have you hate me. They have some good conversation. They have some good stuff that they say about the military. Bond a little bit over that, And I think that that is the third piece in this. He says to Howard, it's been a long time since you've been in the military. And I was in the military recently. You know, once a Marine, always a Marine. I've noticed something about Howard and Pearl. They get offended when people imply that they're old. Yeah. Howard does not like it. Uh, that he says, you're too old to do this. Pearl's going to do the same thing on the dock. Uh-huh. Bobby Lynn is going to kindly imply that, hey, you're confused and, and, and yeah. you're, let me help you. And that offends Pearl. What happens when Jackson comes back on his own? Howard sets up a little trap to uh-huh. kind of get him to look in a different direction. And then what does Howard do? Appears behind him yep. and says with real smarm, once a Marine, always a Marine. He wants to prove to Jackson, I just snuck up on you. That's right. I just did this uh-huh. Marine thing. You didn't see it coming. Because I'm still there too. But then what does he say? You've been enticing my wife. You get to do what you want mm-hmm. that I can't do anymore. Which I think that really bothers him. Of course. He can't fuck his wife
1: anymore. He's been suggesting throughout the film up till this point that he's got a weak heart and so them having sex is not something he's capable of. So he's always rejecting her, even though inside he still has passion for her and would love to. Yeah. He just doesn't want to have a heart attack doing it.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And this is a major theme for how Pearl and Howard see Jackson and Bobby Lynn. Right. They don't like that those two can still fuck. Right. Right. They don't like that those two are doing... She has a line where she says, I'm going to do this while I'm young because I'm not going to be able to do it when I'm older. Uh Uh-huh. And that's exactly what they didn't do. And this is implied through the first movie, but she says a line, so I don't mind giving this away. Howard kept going to war. Uh Uh-huh. He kept leaving. Sure. You know, she said he served in two wars. That would make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. So all that time that they were young together... Was spent with him in the military away from her. And they didn't get these opportunities. They, they didn't get that honeymoon where that yeah. those first, yeah, first year where they just fucked all the time, yeah. where they just mm-hmm. couldn't keep their hands off of each other. I don't know that this is true about Howard. I think this is very true about Pearl. Clearly, as a woman that was just born with a very high sex drive, not unlike Bobby Lynn or Maxine. Of course. You know, like yeah. these women have very high sex drives, or Jackson. They have mm-hmm. very high sex drives. And so that loss has got to be devastating. Sure.
1: Strange analogy. My father was a mechanic for 40 years of his life. <laughs> he... <laughs> Reached a point where his hands don't work so well anymore. Yeah. Like, he can't make a fist. He can't close them enough right. to do that. So even just picking something off off the kitchen table can be a challenge for him. And for right. a guy who has worked with his hands his entire life, that's devastating. Mm-hmm. To, to not be able to use them anymore as efficiently or at all has to be a real mind fuck. Yeah. So the same thing here. You get to that point, whatever it is, where you just can't anymore. Right. That has to fuck with you.
0: But that's what I think so cooks in this scene, because it treats you like you're smart enough to get it. This is all about like how Howard perceives his se- sexual inability. Right. So I think he kills to clean up the mess, but I think he kills Jackson because he gets jealous. That's personal, right? Yeah.
1: The other ones, maybe I'm helping Pearl. This one was his.
0: Yeah. Which takes us to Bobby Lynn, which has a lot of the same themes. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as Bobby Lynn says to Pearl, I was going to be a nurse. That's when Pearl slaps her. I don't need a nurse. I love this scene just for one simple thing. A true good horror movie that I like should bother me when the characters die. I like when a death fucking irks me. When it's like, oh, like I don't want that character to die. And the Bobby Lynn works for me on that because her death is the worst. It's not the goriest. Right. But of all the choices of how you could die... I don't know that I want to be eaten by an alligator.
1: I agree with you. It's the worst. And I think it goes beyond the alligator. I think it's the worst because it was a genuine human who was trying to be a caring human that she made an effort to be kind to this person. And all of it backfired just because of some jealousy and some bullshit. And she got fucked over
0: for it. And this is the last time I'll say it. And I said I would say it only a few times. This scene plays well it'll play 10 times better once you've seen Pearl. Oh, I'm sure. I get really sad when these characters are gone. Yeah. And that is, it's actually true of all of them, but that to me is a damn good horror movie. Yeah, I agree. Down in the basement where Lorraine gets locked in, a couple of things. So there's a part where she finds that there is a a dead hippie that has been strung up. His Mm -hmm. pants are pulled down. You know, when you start seeing the themes of this movie, you know, like, I don't think it's like a coincidence that, you know, RJ gets killed, you know, once he rejects Pearl and then you got Wayne walking around, he's practically naked, you know, and like he gets killed and then there's the whole thing with the big dick and, you yeah. know, and, and all the enticement and whatnot. And then you find this hippie down below and, you know, this hippies, they kind of show it that he's got this big dick. And I just, I've just never felt so safe watching a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I gotta admit, I didn't know where you were going with that. I just heard you say big dick about 12 times. I just...
0: I, like, <laughs> I just know that I... I'm not... I, like, I could be saying anything. No, no, you know, I, know. Like, I I could be saying anything at all. I just feel safe. Like, I just... I don't feel like I have the same level of danger. Fair enough. You know, and I'm I'm just so grateful for that. Good. Like I'm just so I'm You know, I don't see, know where that comfort comes from. This movie can
1: put you at peace.
0: It's... Yes, yes. I I uh I just it's a movie where I'd get to be the hero. I'd Good. get to really shine. Good. Yes. <laughs> shine on Harvest Moon. Shine on. Yeah, you're not enticing anyone. <laughs> I feel very safe with you around. <laughs> Maxine washes herself in the bathroom and runs to find Wayne, but sees Pearl and Howard approaching the house. She hides as they talk about killing the others, Lorraine trapped in the basement, and Maxine being special. Pearl asks Howard to tell her that she's beautiful. They lie back on the bed and have sex while it's revealed that Maxine's underneath the bed. While they fuck, she escapes. Finding the vampire slashed, Maxine grabs a gun from the glove box and runs inside the main house after hearing screaming. She finds Lorraine locked in the basement and lets her out, but watches as she runs outside and is shot by Howard. Trying to drag Lorraine's body back inside, Howard has a heart attack. Maxine uses the gun to threaten Pearl, demanding the keys to the van. Pearl tells Maxine that they're one and the same. Angry, Maxine pulls the trigger of the gun, but it isn't loaded. Pearl reaches for the shotgun on the ground and fires, but Maxine ducks and Pearl's thrown backwards by the recoil. Maxine walks outside, finding Pearl with a broken hip. After being called a whore and told that everything will be taken from her, Maxine gets in the van and drives over Pearl's head, crushing her skull. Maxine drives away, snorting coke to calm her nerves. Cut to the next morning. The sheriff examines the horrific murder scene. One officer finds the camera used to record the farmer's daughter's and wonders what's on the film.
1: I wonder, are they going to be more shocked by the horrific crime scene or by the movie that's on that camera? Secondly, do you think he's going to take that footage as it is and put the VHS release out anyway and be Farmer's Daughters, now by Scott Thompson?
0: <laughs> Texas Sheriff Department. <laughs> <That's>
2: right. <laughs>
0: I'm just picturing the sheriff sitting there and looking at the, watching the movie and going, "Why are these daughters so horny? Like, I don't, I don't. What is up with the daughters? What is in
1: that milk? What's the deal with these daughters? (laughs) Why are they so horny?
0: Why can't I have one? Thank you, Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) Maxine gets really upset and she's washing herself in the bathroom. Understandably, she's upset because she finds Pearl laying next to her on the bed, naked, touching her very sexually, getting blood on her. That's the interesting part. She's scrubbing the blood off, of course. It's disgusting, but I think that's
1: partially in reference to the blood, but partially in reference to this old lady was fondling me. She was being touched without
0: her consent. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But then a couple different things happen and Maxine ends up hiding under the bed, not knowing that Howard and Pearl are going to have sex on top of it. I like the scene between Howard and Pearl. It's very poignant, even though they're killing people. Mm -hmm. It's about longing and lust even in your old age and well and even love between the two of them
1: yeah you know what is the line she had a bit later on about we found each other again
0: exactly yeah nobody wants to not be touched unless you are someone who doesn't like sex or likes very little sex nobody wants to be in a sexless relationship even if they're yeah. older
1: my and i might be wrong i'm not in this mindset or this lifestyle but people i know who are asexual for example yeah still like to be hugged still like physical contact absolutely it's not always about the sex nobody wants to just be so alone that you haven't even had your hand held in forever a pat on the back
0: oh i totally agree with you i just think that when you are a sexual person being unable to have sex or being in a non-sexual relationship it, it's like a death sentence of like course. ask anybody who's ever been in the closet like it's not just about like quote-unquote being who you are Sex matters. Yeah. Being able to have it. And that, that's the thing that like nobody likes to admit, that nobody likes to say, but it does matter. I, I tell people this, I've told many people this. You'll find it funny. You'll agree with me. I, I'll say that something like sex matters. And they'll say, Well, love, and things like that. And I will, wait, wait, wait. I didn't figure out my sexuality because I woke up in a sweat one morning because I dreamt about my marriage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's fair. They get
0: really pushed. They hate. Most people hate when I say that. But it's
1: accurate. Love and sex are not mutually exclusive.
0: I totally agree. I think that these things are, are are connected. We all have the ability to love other people. I love my friends. I love lo- yeah. lots of other people. For me, I have both more options and less, all at the same I time.
1: That's fair. <laughs> <It's> fair.
0: <laughs> but but you know, for other people, it's like their their sexuality determines. Okay, like this is my dating yeah. pool. Like this is who I'm sure. going to be interested in. Like this is this is who I'm going to fall in love with. And so for Pearl to not have that it doesn't give her the right to kill people.
1: No, not at all.
0: <laughs> and her desire to kill is related to something different that yeah. is sure, more interesting in its own way. It does speak to the the power that I, I think we don't we don't want to admit that it has. We have this
1: weird puritanical society in America that sex is just evil and wrong and horrid and private and everything else. And if you do anything that's outside of that, it's vilified, scorned. And at the risk of sounding however this might sound to people listening, I have learned through some moments in my life and a couple of very dear people in my life that love is transcendent of all of this. Sure. It's, It's beyond sexual stuff. It's beyond identity. It's beyond gender. It's bigger than all of that. And when you really understand that, it makes love a very wonderful and very important thing. Yeah. That stands apart from da-da-da. I, however, would not want to go through the rest of my life, though I do understand that, without sex, because yeah. I enjoy that and right. it's great and I'm good at it. So I'd like <laughs>
2: to do <laughs>
0: it's really the world's loss. <laughs> I'm just saying it's there. You know. We wouldn't want Da Vinci to stop painting. That's right. That's right. We exactly. would not I am want. an artist. Yeah. Therefore, we don't want you to stop banging. That's right.
1: Yeah. The world would crumble.
0: I like when you said, too, that you were like, oh, it's something we all have to do in private. And I'm like, that's why Leo has all of his sex in public. That's right. To make... Right. <laughs> to I have many arrest warrants out for it. <laughs> public
2: indecency.
0: We tell you we do this in Boston. But well, Leo does it on the run. <laughs> Sometimes, literally. That's why you've never seen his face. <laughs> but it is nice to finally get the horror movie scene that I've been waiting for. Mm. The scene from Friday the 13th, where Pamela is under the bed while the other two bone <laughs> from from someone else's perspective.
2: <laughs> I have a note. All right. <laughs>
1: this is the whole scene that we missed out on in that movie played out
0: in full in full literally the way that Mia Goff crawls out from under uh-huh, the bed uh-huh. is the way that I was describing Mrs. Voorhees I know it's so insane <laughs> sneaking from bed to bed I was watching this movie and I was like holy shit they did it It's fucking great it's like we predicted it <laughs> Uh, yeah, it proves to you that you could never take a fucking arrow and push it up through somebody's neck from underneath a bed. You wouldn't be able to get the angle right.
1: I mean, first she's got to even roll over, which is hard to do with them banging down on
0: her. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I did want more from like Mia Goth's perspective like just like watching her under the bed as the the like and seeing like the hump of the mattress. like I wanted them to go for I wanted to see their like clothes drop. <laughs> their medical alerts pop off. <laughs> Dentures fall on the ground. <laughs> you
1: hear the creaking and you think it's the bed, but it's the hip. Yeah, just <coughs>
2: I'll
0: tell you though. Howard's a lucky man. You hear hear those orgasms?
1: Oh, she's enjoying what she's going through. Wow.
0: I was like, you never let that woman go.
1: Either he's good at what he does or she's good at what she does. But either way, (laughs) you guys stay together.
0: That's why you like this movie so much. You see another artist. That's right. This is an art film. You guys have to understand. I see myself (laughs) in this guy that can bang his wife.
1: and I got one snaggle tooth coming out of me, and
0: I'm decrepit that's me (laughs) right (laughs) i may be portly and short but (laughs) that's it that's all there (laughs) i like how i threw myself under the bus by make by by making an average dick joke and you have make yourself sound like the greatest (laughs) fuck in human history
1: We all have priorities in life,
0: Steve. (laughs) We all have ways that we humble ourselves. If I get
1: to be the short, fat guy on this, then (laughs) I get to have a big dick with sex drive. That's how that works.
0: totally fair. (laughs) Totally fair. I'll give you that one. That's totally fair. Hey, I will give this movie credit for something else, too. Uh One of the few surprise deaths that work for me. Yeah? Yeah, when Lorraine gets shot. Actually,
1: yes. Yeah. When I'm talking before about predictability, blah, 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 I never saw this coming. Yep. I Obviously, she's not going to get away. She was the one locked in the basement. This is all about Maxine. I get it. This film has a purpose. If there's going to be a survivor girl, it's probably not going to be the church girl. Totally understand that. But her running out that front door and getting blasted yeah, didn't see it coming. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: It really like takes me back every time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, they fucking nailed that. That's great. No. I wasn't sure because she was like a big name. You know, sure. Jenny has become a big name. This is a movie that doesn't really care much about that. There's actually a uh, lot of names in this sure. movie. And it, it's you know? more
1: about the story and it's more about the characters, characters are, and, and all that. that. And it's like yeah. people are going to die. Fuck it. Which,
0: by the way, thank you. Bold choice. More movies should do it. Thank you. The final showdown mm-hmm. between Maxine and Pearl. My only complaint about this is that man, I'd love it for me to be like sixty seconds or one hundred and twenty seconds longer. But for the most part, this totally lands. But I, I fucking love their dialogue. Dialogue's great. It's yeah. fantastic. Their mm-hmm. dialogue's on fire when she starts pushing your whore, and you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to lose Just everything. Just like me when you get Just older. like yeah. me when you're old or nothing. And Max was Maxine. I'm a fucking star. She doesn't say, like, what you're doing is unethical nope. or immoral. You know what I mean? She, You're crazy. She does say you're, like, sex addict. But her response is, I'm a fucking star. To the point of this movie, yeah. they, they stay
1: true to themselves as characters. We know exactly who we are, and that's where we're landing. Fuck the world. Yeah. Maxine, every time she looks in the mirror, you're a legend, you're a star, you're better than everyone. Get out there and do it. Exactly. Pearl, same attitude, but now, yep. bitter, older... It's all faded. The two of them are coming from the same place at different angles. Yeah. And Maxine will not stand for it.
0: And that's when she decides to pull the trigger on that. Yes. She's ready to shoot Pearl over that slight.
1: Exactly. Just like Pearl was willing to throw somebody to an alligator over, I don't need a nurse, I'm not old. Right. Maxine is like, fuck you, I'm a legend. Yeah. It's conceivable that Maxine could literally grow up to be Pearl. They are so much the same person.
0: It will be really interesting to see (laughs) what happens when you see Pearl. I'm fucking stoked to see the next movie. I didn't
1: even know that there was a third movie coming out, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's called Maxine. There's a lot
0: happening here we haven't even really mentioned with the preacher on Mm. the TV. Throughout the movie,
1: everybody in Texas watches this one television show of this one preacher Uh, evangelical style, talking to a crowd of people about yeah. sin and sex and debauchery and everybody's horrible and believe in God.
0: And used a couple times really nicely, like when they use it to drown out the screams.
1: Yeah, it's it's very well placed. As with everything else in this movie, they know exactly when to use it and when to leave it alone. The whole thing is played out fantastically. And then, of course, in the aftermath of all of this, as the cops are coming in, investigating, because now we're full circle back to the beginning of the film where the cops are checking out the crime scene, etc. That evangelical show is on the air, and the preacher reveals that he's preaching all of this because his own daughter became victim of this lifestyle and this sin and this corruption. And then he reveals that his daughter is Maxine.
0: Right. And I like that. I think it works. Mm -hmm. I think it ties together themes. It tells you something about Maxine too, which is that she was my point to deeply, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why she's like, I am never going back to that shit. You know what I mean? She, she makes it very clear when we go to that scene, yep. you know, where they're all sitting around playing guitar and hanging out. And she's like, I'm never going back to that life. And she almost gets like frustrated. She gets yeah. very firm. And not
1: to what we had talked about earlier, to what I've been mentioning throughout our 50 episodes here. Yeah. You can tell somebody's backstory without having to give us a 20-minute monologue. We heard that when they were playing guitar, and she's very firm, I will not go back to my old life, but we never heard why. Yeah, And then it's this guy on the show, and he just shows a picture of her yep. preacher's daughter. Yeah. Now we know everything we need to know about her past yeah. without them having to slap us over the head with it. You can tell backstories, you can tell characters, you can develop strong personalities without having to do it in such a my-audience-is-stupid-let-me-telegraph-everything way.
0: And isn't it so tied together perfectly in that last shot where it shows her in the truck? They do this shot from the passenger side mm-hmm. where she's driving the truck. She's just snorted some coke just to calm herself down. And they have in like the foreground the cross yep. that he had on his rearview mirror kind of hanging there. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're just kind of like taking it all in. Yep. And it's just it's like so pulled together in that last shot. Yeah. So I'm going to guess from our whole discussion, you thought this movie was a giant piece of shit.
1: I hated every (laughs) glorious, sex-filled second of it. (laughs) Right. As I had mentioned before, it took me a while to watch the film. I'm very grateful that I was able to avoid spoilers up until the moment I watched it. I didn't read a lot about it. I didn't look for a lot of information around it. And most of the people around me were very nice enough to not have big conversations about it, which is very cool. I got lucky on that. I understand. I also, after the fact, as I'd mentioned, went through and read some reviews and just see what people had to say about it so I could prepare for this conversation today. Jesus Christ. And one of the funniest things I found was a review that was complaining that this movie had too much sex in it. (laughs) Now, for years and years, I have been on a campaign of if you don't like what's going on in front of you, don't watch it. Sure. Change the channel. Yes. If you're walking into a movie called Bloodbath 6 and you're going to come out complaining that it's a horror gore movie, what the fuck did you expect when you walked into that film? Some people set themselves up for this level of stupidity and it drives me crazy that they then come back out and complain that the world is immoral and blah, blah, blah when all you had to do was not go see that film or all you had to do was change the channel.
0: So it gets to the thing that is one of my beefs sometimes in horror movies. And you and I have talked about this before. I've brought it up on the show where people will watch eyes get ripped out of someone's skull. I was going to head this way. Yep. And, and Mm -hmm. like their heads sawn off and they will bitch about a pair of boobs yeah
1: how dare we show a nipple but please rip out entrails and hang them from the flirt store balcony
0: i mean yeah there's some that you know you're kind of like okay like i wasn't expecting in the greasy strangler for somebody to show me their asshole <laughs> and have it sing to me i wasn't expecting that but, but okay there we are I, like the, i, I, I walked into this
1: movie expecting it to be over the top so okay asshole singing yes wonderful got it this movie is fantastic. You've listened to the whole episode so far, the people out there. You know my—I think this is great. I've had a lot to say about it. This nothing but complimentary. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. I wish I'd seen it in the theater. just—life got in the way and I never got the opportunity, but I'm glad I was able to see it at all mm-hmm. and take this time to sit and really talk about it. I'm really thrilled that we managed to make
0: it an important milestone in the show as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, we got to start off strong with mm-hmm. something big, with something great. Totally agree. There's so much like, I feel like I could talk about this movie for another two hours. When I read the reviews, I was fascinated by something very similar. You'll read these reviews and they'll say like, this movie is about fame and it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Mm -hmm. love letter, and it's about aging. It's about love and it's about this and it's about that. But so many of them totally avoid that it's about sex. They'll say they're pornographers. They'll say that. They'll mention the porn. Yes. Yeah. Because you, kind of can't. Like, what are you going to say? Like, they're here to make a children's story. They're (laughs) making a movie, quote unquote. Yeah. Right, exactly. They won't mention that it's about that because it's so difficult for people to engage with a movie that is about the thing that is actually quite challenging to them. You've got somebody who's talking about movies or whatnot, and they have been told or they've heard that they're supposed to be upset that they're supposed to be offended or they're supposed to be upset for the women on the screen that are showing their breasts or they're supposed to get all fucking weird if there's dick on screen or yada 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 and you've got characters that are literally telling them the opposite of that yep challenging their beliefs challenging their moral structure challenging their society around them rules and it's not just that you have Maxine and bobby lynn and in some ways lorraine's character pushing against that. You've also got the actresses who Mm. clearly picked these roles. Yep. And the whole story about how Ty West picked the people for the movie is really interesting because when he auditioned them, he asked, why do you want to do this movie? Why this movie? You could do so many movies about other things that are not controversial. You've read this script because they all got to read the script first. Yeah. Why do you want to do this after reading this script? And Mia Goth and Brittany Snow have all talked about... Yeah their answers for that. That's great. These women knew exactly what they were doing and Mm -hmm. picked to do this movie, and that is quite challenging. Especially when you walk into it
1: knowing your choice to be as this character in this film is going to be this level of controversial. Yeah. And you're going to have to stand up and defend that in the face of... The overarching societal belief of com.
0: Well, yeah. They're gonna have to deal with every fucking person that's like as a woman, you couldn't possibly have consented to show right. your own breasts on screen. Somebody must have held a gun to your head right, exactly. and made you do it. Oh, yeah. fuck that. All that
1: puritanical shit, all the religious shit, all the all the moms fake liberal shit. Whatever. Like it's it's that yeah. too. You
0: know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like Exactly. I just am so fascinated by the fact that it's so hard for people to engage Because that is what it's about. It's about there is something powerful in pleasure.
1: It's a little cliche, obviously. But we are right now sitting on 51 episodes. (laughs) And what is the official beginning of season two for the show. And I have to be very honest, we could not do that without the people listening. The people who actually love two idiots sitting on a couch talking about horror movies the way that we do. And I am blessed, honestly, I don't use that word often, to be in this position right now where you guys enjoy what we do so much. Because I'm an entertainer. I'm an actor. I'm a guy who wants to give something to the world that you guys can latch onto and distract you from whatever shitty day you're having or give you a little joy, give you a little laugh. And I'm able to do that and bring that and be here with my best friend, having such great times every week. And It means a lot to me, and it wouldn't be possible if you guys didn't want to keep listening, so thank
0: you for that. There has been so many good things that have come out of this, and some of that I want to save for the anniversary Mm -hmm. episode, but this has become such a big part of my life, Mm -hmm. being able to do this show and being able to think about what I want to say about these movies and think about how I want to have fun with them what I want people to know about them. I, I So I, I kind of like have a foot in both worlds because I, I'm a horror fan, but I'm also a film guy. And being a film guy, I am the lone defender of the greatness of Friday the 13th. If I'm in like a cult film circle, that's different. Oh, yeah. Those are my people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But like when I'm in the heady, pretentious world, <laughs> I can talk about a movie like Pearl. Pearl is acceptable, even though Pearl's great. Being able to really make a case for a movie like Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. or being able to really make a case for a movie like Baskin. To be able to have a place where I can do that, it really matters. I am also grateful for the time that you and I get to spend together. I'm very grateful for that. Part of what the show is about is doing something that translates to you, the audience, mm-hmm. that is actually... It's for us, but it's also for you. We think about you guys. We think about, does this make sense to you? Does this work for you? And it's not because we're trying to cater to an audience. It's because we actually give a shit about putting out a good show every week. It, we really do. Well, thank you all for listening to Spoils of Horror. And we will see you next week for something. where Ooh, <laughs> Maybe Terrifier 2. Movie. Maybe something totally different if we can't make Terrifier 2 work in time. Yeah, we'll figure it out.
2: But you'll enjoy it, promise.
0: All right, see you later. Bye.